welcome to the Property Portfolio Podcast with Mark Stokes and Nigel Green. Every week we inspire and guide you towards success in the world of property development, mentorship and fundraising. Before we jump into today's episode, a reminder to join us at equacademy.co.uk where you can gain free access to hundreds of videos and templates to help you on your property development journey. Well, a very warm welcome to the next episode of Property Portfolio Podcast. And good morning, Nigel. Good morning, Mark. How are you today? You okay? Very well, very well. And we've had an exciting week already this week with not just one, but two exchange of contracts on commercial properties. We have. Um, it's Yeah, it's absolutely wonderful, really. I mean, in terms of the, the projects themselves, they're... Uh, our pension contributors, which is um, just phenomenal. You know, we kind of target ourselves, you know, to get one in the bag every year. Um, I have to say we're, we're probably a few months behind on this one. It's just taken a little bit longer than expected to get to uh, legal exchange and completions next week, isn't it? Which is uh, which is fab. Um, but yeah, great, great. And, you know, really looking forward to the, the developments being created. And uh, as I say, uh, well, well, being being serviced by our, our, our pension in the first instance, in terms of enablement and um, ultimately contributing to our pension, uh, which is uh, just just wonderful in in due course. Yeah, yeah, it's a real reminder, isn't it, that you know the uh, our, our SAS pension is such an enabler, but it's not all things for all people. You know, it just sits there as a really sharp tool in our toolbox. Um, as you say, we're using that as a loan back to acquire. Uh, a commercial piece of land and then mm. multiple multiple phase loan backs as well and we'll cover that on a future episode yeah and then you know nine homes mm. um, that will sit within our family limited company for many many decades to come yeah. um you know just a just a, a, a wonderful enabling environment that enables us to do those employer contributions into our SaaS. so a real we call it a circular economy don't we yeah yeah, we do absolutely, and you know, and we, we go into these, we go into these kind of deals. Um, well, really, everything we do, and what we're trying to do, we're trying to anticipate uh, the future, aren't we? We're trying to anticipate the future within reason, and you know, and certainty is is a key part of that. And um, you know, certainly from a financial, a commercial perspective, we want as much certainty as we possibly can get. You know, in this in this outcome. Otherwise, you know, we hear of other people where costs run away, and uh, what might have been a you know a fantastic opportunity, and yeah, you know, everybody's very upbeat going into a deal. By the time you get out, it could be a very different story. So, you know, cost certainty through contract. Uh, through cost planning, effective cost planning, negotiation, and, and you know, locking in all those variables right at the front end is is absolutely key, isn't it, Mark? And uh, certainly, we spent a fair few months doing that, haven't we? Well, it is. Yeah, we want assured outcomes. I mean, we're we're very prescriptive how we plan, and you know, you work through each of the developments with the Equa IDA. But you know, absolutely, we want assured outcomes. In fact, all stakeholders do. Whether it's our pension, whether it be the bank, could be us as private investors or working with other private investors. Yep. Um, and we can't do that alone, can we? We need a great team around us, a great team of professionals. We would be that capital allowances surveyors, solicitors, accountants, and it's great to have uh, this morning another part of our professional team uh, join us today. 
and it, it's a it's a, a discipline that doesn't often get a great deal of publicity. Um, but commercial management is everything to the execution of the contract. Uh, absolutely, and uh, we're going to bring Jake on in a minute just to introduce himself. But uh, you know, and, and really, I think it's fantastic having him here today. But um, you know, we've known Jake for a couple of years now, and uh, you know, in terms of that rigor and the the professionalism that you know he portrays in his in his services and and indeed he's very much involved in in this current pension deal that we've got um you know it's it's just it enables you to sleep at night kind of thing <laughs> so i mean mark i think it's time um you know i think without further ado just to uh, introduce jake and i think you're you're there right Hi, Jake. So this is Jake Southers of your QS company. Good morning, Jake. Good morning, Mark and Nigel. Thanks for that very warm welcome. Very flattering. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we've just, just been talking about that development and you, you've been right at the heart with us uh, on that development, you know, making sure we've got cost certainty and contracts in place. But uh, yes, yeah, wonderful to, to, to have you on, on on our regular slot. Oh, it's fantastic. Great to be here. Brilliant. Well, th- well, thanks again, Jake. Really appreciate obviously your time and uh, coming on this morning just to uh, just to share um, your thoughts with everybody. Um, you know, I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic. So, I mean, without further ado, um, you know, could you could you introduce yourself and maybe give us an insight into your into your background, if that's okay? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for that wonderful uh, introduction. So, good morning, everybody. I think there's 60 people on the call today. You've got a great, great audience. Um, so I'm Jacob Southers from Preston in Lancashire. It does um, it does have the sunshine here every now and then. Mm-hmm. It's um, For those who don't know Preston, it's slap bang in the middle of Manchester and Liverpool. So it's it's not a bad position in the UK to be. Um, I'm a dad of a new dad, actually, of an eight-month-old baby, baby Theo, who were welcomed into the world. And uh, a devoted, devoted husband to my wife Rachel. Um, more recently, I've moved back from Dubai, the Middle East, where I've spent four years um, sort of working for a tier one cost consultant called Faithful and Gold, um, working on some great schemes out there. Obviously, a lot larger than you'd probably typically expect in the UK, but um, fantastic experience. Um, moving back from the Middle East, it's been an absolute whirlwind of the 12 months, moving back in a pandemic, um, you know, with a pregnant wife, heavily pregnant wife, and uh, a house to refurbish in time for the baby, which is uh, probably the most pressure I've ever been under from, from my wife, <laughs> getting that done in time. Um, but luckily managed to get that done Um using some of the QS skills and commercial management skills of, I've learned in my sort of career to date. So uh, that was that was a, a great achievement. Yeah. Um, professionally, as Mark and Nigel have said, I'm a, a chartered QS um, with, with sort of 10 plus years in the construction industry. Um, for those who are actually wondering what a QS, because like you said, Mark, it's sort of not well publicised, is it, what a quantity surveyor actually does? Um, and my dad does joke and says, I count bricks for a living. Uh, <laughs> it's actually it's actually a little bit more technical than that. I don't sort of go into the details with him because uh, 
it's quite hard to explain, but in essence, it's it's basically managing anything to do with money, contracts, or procuring contractors and, and managing risk of a construction project. So it's and that's throughout the project life cycle as well, from start uh, right through to the end and handover. Um so in summary, it's anything to do with money on a construction project and, and contractual relationships. Yeah, that's uh, so relevant, Nigel, isn't it? I mean, we get so many questions from people. Um, and a lot of those those frequently asked questions might be uh, from the start of people's journey of how much cost should I put in for the build phase or how many square feet is the development? Uh, how do I select a contractor? And, and they can get a bit overawed by that process of managing contractors um, because you know everybody knows contractors spend more money than they than they need to and, and it takes a whole lot longer that's the perception out there and, and it can be quite daunting so um, I guess that's what you do you you help people navigate those and identify and, and mitigate those risks Jake absolutely and work, working with the right build partner and properly pre-qualifying those contractors to make sure they could they could deliver is 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 really important and one of the things one of the things we offer um so getting that getting that work done up front like you've done on your your latest project working with the right people and relationships is key yeah absolutely and you know that constant monitoring the the uh, contract administration role is not to be underestimated as well, isn't it? You know, in terms of the mechanics of that relationship and, you know, keeping it at that level. Because I think, don't get me wrong, the contracts, you know, a good project, the contract goes in the drawer and kind of never really comes out, does it, apart from just reference points. Mm. Uh, you know, but that that is testament to a good setup. Yeah. Because if it's not set up right, that contract's out all the time, you know, when mm-hmm. you're looking at delays and all these sort of things, which is clearly what we nobody wants at all. But, mm-hmm. uh, well, congratulations on your, your major project um, um, in terms of the house. And uh, I'd be interested to see what the liquidated and acetate damages in that contract yeah. were. <laughs> so, anyway, you got through it, so well done. <laughs> it's very difficult to get a, a local builder to sign up to a contract for a smaller scale project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Although I did try. I did try. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned some of those larger, larger schemes you've been involved in, uh, Jake. Um, just give us a give us a flavour of, of what sort of size and scale those larger contracts have been. Yeah, so sort of starting my career down south in London, in the city. So after graduating from John Moores in Liverpool, uh, with a first class honours in quantity surveying, I moved straight down to to London um, and worked on some fabulous, fabulous projects there. Worked for a company called Core Five, which were basically ex-Davis Langdon partners who set up their own consultancy, um, and worked on a project in uh, in Mayfair, which was re- really high-end residential project. It was about sixty million build cost. It had a really deep three-story basement where all these wealthy guys can drive in in a nice car and go down the car lift into this lovely basement and then go up to the nice. The nice apartments. I think they were selling for, from memory, about three thousand five hundred pounds a square foot. So well, you can imagine uh, the finish in these mm. apartments. It was it was very nice. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Um, so that was, yeah, that was around 50 million pounds. And then sort of later in my career, moving to um, the Middle East, there was projects there which I worked on and managed up to half a billion. Yeah. So there were, there, were, there were quite substantial projects. Yeah. Uh, but equally, I've worked on smaller projects as well. And, you know, 500,000 fit outs, refurbishments, conversions, um, up to up to a million pounds. But all these sort of projects, <clears throat> excuse me, they all sort of follow the same principles mm. when it comes to commercial management. It doesn't really matter how mm. small or large these projects are. Yeah. If you've got the same principles in place, yeah. you're, uh, you're more guaranteed for success. It's, it's a consistent methodology, isn't it? It's a consistent yeah. methodology all the way through. And, you know, whether it's a quid or it's half a billion, it, the, mm. the methodology is very, very similar, or if not the same, all the way through. Yeah, absolutely. So could you could you tell us a bit about the company's called Your, Your QS Company? Cracking mm. name, like that. Um, it says on the box. Yeah, it, it does. It does. It, yeah, very much so. So, I mean, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the company, maybe the journey thus far. Yeah. Um, you know, it's an approach to clients and, and indeed some future plans. Yeah, sure. So um, it's, it all started meeting Mark and Nigel, actually. So you're, you're to, you guys are to blame for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it, it, it all started meeting Mark and Nigel and um, looking to, to go into commercial conversions myself and perhaps do larger developments myself personally. And uh, sort of during initial discussions, I saw an opportunity to use my knowledge um, to help people within their community who perhaps need to lean on a quantity surveyor to manage the commercial aspects of their projects and get a better handle on contracts and costs. Um, so I quickly realised there's a potential niche within within that community as a, as a go-to QS to help and serve entrepreneurial developers um, and help get their developments over the line. <clears throat> so I sort of saw my experience working with tier one cons cost consultants as an opportunity to offer that level of service, that higher sort of gold standard level of service for um, a, a fraction of the, the cost and fees to, to these developers looking to get um, developments probably ranging from one to five million mark and nigel is that fair to say within your yeah. within your community to get these developments over the line yeah. um so you know i saw it as an opportunity to help these people and, and, and a business opportunity mm -hmm. um so it progressed from there so i'm transitioning from from corporate life into being a business owner and growing the business um it's, it's still sort of in its infancy um, it will be going live very shortly I, and I am obviously serving clients now and open to business um, but obviously looking to grow the team and grow that grow that pipeline of work quite quickly quite quickly and offer I'd say a, per, a more personal approach for people to come and speak to a quantity surveyor or a commercial manager to get some feedback on on feasibilities and costs yeah yeah absolutely and you know since the words out you've You've, you've kind of got quite a few in the in the bag, haven't you? In terms of opportunity, yeah. which is which is great. But, I mean, broadly speaking, what what sort of services do you offer? You know, if there was kind of a, a quick fire, I think you broke up, Nigel. There, actually, sorry about that. I was going to say, um, just um, just broadly speaking, you know, what what services do you offer? 
all stages of the project life cycle really is um, is yeah. is my bag but anything to do with cost so on the front end if you're looking at projects i'll look at feasibility cost studies maybe look at different design options and work out which one's most uh, feasible and adds the most value yeah um, and obviously looking at any route to affordability if the scheme is is looking expensive and you need to to rein in those costs yeah and then as the, the project progresses through the different design phases, um, I can help with procurement and tendering of contractors. And, and we touched on it before, pre-qualifying contractors, mm. um, managing that tender process, yeah. obviously producing tender documentation, pricing schedules for contractors, mm. um, and then wrapping it up within a, within a contract document, which is typically a JCT contract, but getting that, like you've, like you've mentioned, Nigel, getting it correctly set up because I Absolutely. see a lot of contracts which haven't been correctly set up and it's, mm. it's getting that in place so that you're starting on on good ground. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and it's very, it's very much like the, um, you know, it's the foundations of a house, isn't it? You know, you, we, yeah, and, and don't we see on construction sites, I mean, I know fairly close to where I'm, where I live, um, there's a big retail part going up of all things. And they seem to spend years in the ground, you know, years getting all the infrastructure, getting all these the structural engineering and civil engineering done. And then all of a sudden, once that's laid, that's the that's the solid foundation. The frame just goes up in no time. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. And I think I think, you know, I think what we're talking about is a similar scenario. You've got to get your foundation right, you know, and you, you're setting yourself up for success that way. Yeah. If you do it on a you know, a shoestring and you cut corners and and it's not quite as it should be and, you know, the clauses are not quite right to to reflect what's being contracted. And Was it got a bit of a problem there, Nigel? Sorry, can you, I'm a back. Your broadband's on the end of a curly bit of string. <laughs> just a minute. I, I live kind of out in the sticks, you see, and um, I, I have to... Let me just open the door and allow the broadband to come in just a <laughs> so, yeah, that, one of the questions that's come in from somebody, uh, Jake, is is you know what what size of projects do does a, a commercial management process, a QS, normally step into for the smaller developments? Is it is it fifty, a hundred, two hundred thousand pounds? You know what what type of scale of inquiries do you regularly get? It can, I mean, it can be any any value. To be honest, um, you get obviously more value um, if you're entering into a construction uh, construction contract, which probably starts at around the fifty, eighty, hundred thousand pound mark yeah. for JCT minor works building contract. Yeah. Um, but it can if you you know if you obviously need a a QS to tell you how much a a twenty or thirty thousand pound refurb is going to be. It, it, there is some value there as well, so it can be any size. To be honest, it's a yeah. different, obviously a different skill, but it can be and a different service. But it can be any size. Yeah, absolutely. And also, it depends. I was just touching back on the services again, Nigel. One of the key services that we offer at your QS company is is um, construction phase commercial management. So making sure. Um, there's a proper change control procedure in place, making sure there's no major cost overruns on site, mm. coming in and valuing the work because you don't want to be paying 
contractors a lot more than what's actually happened on site because it's putting you at risk there or the developer at risk. So it's going on site and verifying that um, that payment application that the, the contractor is going to put in and getting a chartered quantity surveyor to issue a payment certificate under the building contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do that at any size project, really, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm guessing the key the key is always. Uh, I mean, we Nigel, when do we engage our professional team? Well, usually it's the very earliest stages of the project, isn't it? Whether that be a planning consultant as we're going into PD or planning, conveyancing mm-hmm. with solicitors right there at the early stages, mm-hmm. and uh, and we would engage a, a QS as well to formulate the initial cost plan, um, working alongside the architect. So I know that would be a, probably a question. You know, when should I, when should I engage a, a, a QS, Jake? That's probably a question you've been asked a time or two before. Mm, yeah, and the sooner the better because you get a chance to have a line in the sand with a construction cost based on a, a set of design parameters, mm. and then the developers obviously got an opportunity then to to influence the design so it's progressing in line with a budget. Or if you need to go back and tweak the design and change the design yeah. um, to, to hit a certain budget. Yeah. Yeah. So many, many architects are, are, are quite commercially savvy. Um, but I think it's worth pointing out that changing a few lines on a drawing actually costs nothing, but actually delivering on those changes can have a huge cost and time implication. So I guess that's where you intervene looking at the uh the, the value of changes or the cost of changes um does it add to the gdv or does it increase cost does it reduce cost that's it because you can uh, work with developers forward thinking developers can spend more money but if you're increasing value proportionately it's mm-hmm. worth spending that additional money mm-hmm. and that's something we will look at as well sometimes it's not worth spending the additional money because you're not getting that proportionate value Absolutely, absolutely. So, probably a, another question I've got for you there. Um, you know, in in terms of, I guess, what do you see as the current highlights and challenges, really, that you see in the world? You know, what people are are doing out there at the moment. Hmm. I think uh, highlights and I guess opportunities at the moment is um, sustainability is a hot topic, um, and net zero carbon. And achieving net zero carbon buildings, obviously the the British uh, the government have set targets for 2050, and I think some councils 2030 to achieve net zero carbon. Um, so there are there are opportunities there for developers to um, to be ahead of the curve um, and 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 look to achieve carbon neutral buildings and highest higher sustainability aspirations. Um, and I think that's that's the way the world is going now. It's it's looking for sustainable solutions, and uh, and the government are imposing um, obligations to do that on developers now. Absolutely. So if you're if you're um, front of the queue and first entry to the market uh, doing that, then uh, mm-hmm. there is a there is a huge opportunity. But that also brings challenges as well because it's. Achieving net zero carbon um, mm. costs money. Yeah. yeah. Um, so 
how that's paid for ultimately is probably going to be paid for by the end consumer because developers will then increase increase uh, sales costs or, or rental figures. So it's it, it's going to be interesting to see how the market uh, pans out with with the introduction and um, you know obligations to achieve these uh, net zero carbon aspirations. Yeah. And who's ultimately going to pay for it? Uh, absolutely, it's it's a uh, it's opposing forces, isn't it? You, the world needs it. You know, we need to do that. We need to mm. all be thinking that way. But it, as you say, it costs more money. But mm. then again, it might be more efficient to run the building. So there's yeah. there's probably longer term savings, you know, to compensate. So it just depends where you sit in that in that chain, really, of uh, of the life of a building. You know, to see where the benefits are. But uh, yeah, yeah. Really, really yeah, I certainly think that's. That's the way the world is going. I know British land have, have got a, a big building past in London, which is going to be net zero carbon. Wow. So developers are going down that route now and they are yeah. looking at, uh, uh, you know, higher sustainability aspirations. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Do you find developers are continually, uh, those forward-thinking ones, asking you about the, the whole life cost of a building not just the the construction phase is that is that something increasingly you're starting to see the mass for um yes yeah quite a specialist area of quantity surveying that um uh you know so it, it not something i've personally done mm. uh, but i do know what developers are looking at whole life costs and mm. whole life carbon and quantifying carbon within the construction process and operational pro, uh, process as well. Yeah, yeah, increasingly uh, important. I know that's something that you're looking at as well. Yeah. I know we've uh, we've got lots of questions, uh, you know, from the from the listeners. So we'll if we we rattle on, then we'll go through a few other yeah. questions. That's all right. Um, right. Okay. So in terms of your business targets, um, you know, thinking about maybe the next next twelve months and future goals. What are they? Yeah, so it's obviously supporting developers. I'm aiming for um, a total construction value of about 20 million within the first 12 months. Mm. Um, that's the target. Um, and obviously building relationships is is a key thing for me. Moving back from the Middle East and not being based in the UK for, for quite a while, I've been out of touch with developers in the UK. So it's, it's touching base with... Um, obviously your your community and further afield really and building those relationships because mm. that's ultimately key to um to a good business and yeah. uh, an enjoyable business as well indeed indeed absolutely and what, what do you think of the what do you think of the common mistakes at the moment you know that you're you've seen in your career i mean we've, we've probably touched on that in the previous question a little bit but uh, you know what what are the what are the key common not you know they we, we find you you come across it and you think oh blimey you know if you only just started with building mm. those foundations a little bit deeper <laughs> those sort of things but what what do you see i think with just talking about commercial management and construction yeah. i think it's um there's no one size fits all with with a any given project they all each project has its own risks and its own unique features um, and i see developers uh, potentially putting a blanket cost per square meter against the build cost without really considering the abnormals of that project. Yeah, yeah. 
So it's it's getting a QS, a chartered QS, to verify any budgets they've potentially put in their appraisal, yeah. make sure they're picking up these unique project features. There's no there's no one size fits all. No. Now you often see people on Facebook groups saying build cost is this, but there's no caveats to actually what that represents, what's the unique features about that that building, that building site. Yeah. You know, different building sites have asbestos contaminated lands, certain unique features that need to be considered at the early at the early stages because you might be buying, you know, a clanger if you don't mm. get that, if you don't get that um thrashed out at the start. No, I, I, I totally agree. And I see that quite a bit, actually. Um, in the these kind of rates banded around, do you, do you, you see the same, don't you? You know, mm. it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, well, you know, to do a conversion, it's X amount of pounds per square metre, and to yeah. do a new build, it's X amount. But it all, as you say, quite rightly, depends, doesn't it? Depends. Yeah, it depends. Very specific. It's understanding the criteria of what you're looking at. Um, you know, independent verification around that as well to check the checker, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Exceptionals, abnormals, all need to be added in, which are all outside of the rates, to be mm. honest. Mm. All need to be considered to create this this budget. And then, yeah, as yeah. you say, in a wrapper and then verified by a, by a third party is the is the assured way to go forward. Otherwise, there's there's always going to be risk in there. That's the that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost that compounding, isn't it? Where compounding problems. Uh, if you don't spend, it might it might just be you know a couple of thousand pounds in doing a proper structured measure, a cost plan, um, that interaction with the architect and with the planning consultant. If you, if you don't do that at the start, you're always playing catch up, and the problem just compounds and compounds. You then. Yeah, you know, and you'll be found out eventually. You know, the valuation will find you out, the monitoring surveyor will, will, will find out that your numbers have have little basis. So, you know, I thought it was an interesting point you mentioned earlier on about you know starting right at the at the start, get a QS on board, get a proper structured cost plan, and then everything builds up upon that, rather than you just trying to chase the chase the problem away throughout the development. Um, and eventually you'll have to spend the money anyway, so you may as well do it and build on solid foundations. Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very interesting. I mean, obviously we've, um, you know, I think 2020 will go down the history, won't it? You know, obviously a, a challenging year. Um, but, you know, we've got life ahead now. We can We can see those green shoots. We can see... Lots of positiveness coming from various tabloids and institutions, you know, talking about this, that, and the other, and, um, you know, very optimistic for what's ahead. What, what's your thoughts of the opportunities and, 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 and the risks, I, I think, in, in the years ahead? Yeah, I think you've, you've touched on it quite a lot as well. Mark and Nigel is, is you know, less need for office space and perhaps tiring off into office space in city centres mm. the high street is is changing I can see it locally in, in Preston there's a lot of people developers taking over old tired office spaces and converting them into apartments mm. so there is um, there is an opportunity there for conversion of, of, of existing buildings and obviously councils are, are open to that as well and adding additional stories under permitted development rights yeah. So there is there is an opportunity there, but mm. it, you know there's there's equally uh, equally risks of of 
whether people, I see a lot of co-living schemes going up, it's whether people want to live in that close proximity to each other. Mm. You don't know how people's preferences are going to change after after the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think there's going to be change, There's going to be a different approach to life, living, yeah. communities, you know, how people spend by, all the, you know, all these sorts of things. It's, it's, it is a changing, evolving world. And, but therefore, that brings opportunities as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's absolutely. Well, there might be electric hand sanitizers at the, at the entry gate <laughs> of all developments now as, as a requirement under building control. You just don't know, do you? <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's really good. I mean, we, we, I'm really keen to get into the questions uh, yeah. that everybody's putting because there's quite a few. But, but just just before we do that, if, if the listeners would like to get in touch with you, Jake, um, you know, how can they contact you? If we drop a canonly link into this uh, this chat, you can book a call with myself yep. directly. The website will be going live shortly. Um, that's www.yourqsco.com. Um, so that will be going live um, hopefully by the end of this month. And my number as well is 07792. One two one seven two four. I don't know. Do you want me to pop that in the chat box, or is that something? More yeah, yeah, yeah. Pop it in the chat box. I'll pop that calendarly link in there if people want to book a call with you. Yeah. Um, pop your details in there, and, uh, and I'll just have a quick look through. We have got quite a few questions here. Um, one interesting question. I know, I know you work up and down the country. I mean, you, you you're down near London and up in Preston and all over the country. Um, how often does a QS need to visit site? So I, I guess, you know, people have got somebody down here in Cornwall, somebody in London, somebody in uh, up in the north. You know, what's the that proximity? Um, how important is that? Um, in the early stages, not, not as important because it's the design phases and feasibility stages. Um, obviously, if it's a, an existing building, it'd be good to go out and have a look at the existing conditions. But a lot of the work pre-contract um, is desktop, so you can you can do your feasibility cost studies um, at the comfort of your your desk using all your own software. So you don't necessarily have to go to site. And we're obviously on Zoom and Teams now, so we can connect with the the wider professional team and architects. Um, on site, there is a need to go to site once a month to verify the the interim payments. So um, when when you're on site, that that's when you'd need to go to site. But um, the way I'm working, I I can work across the the UK. I work with trusted partners to to help me out as well across these sites um, to make sure you know developers aren't overpaying and and, and payments are in line with with work that's actually carried out on site. Mm. I know you actually liaise on behalf of developers with with that all-important monitoring surveyor, the, the bank's representative as well, which is yeah. just an absolutely crucial interface, which, I mean, ultimately it protects the cash flows, doesn't it, the developer? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And those those guys will have a look at our, our payment recommendations and, and things like that just to make sure and verify that they're happy from a bank's perspective. So it's two professionals meeting, meeting in the middle, if you like. Absolutely. See, that's a very interesting point you you raise on two professionals talking. So you've got the monitoring surveyor, and that, uh, presumably they're appointed and, and regulated under the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors. 
um, and they're then interfacing with with yourself and and you are as well. You're you've been a member for with the RICS for many years as well. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. I think it's important maybe to get surveyors who have who are chartered and they have gone through the the rigorous training of the RICS and assessment. Um, you know, and I'm I'm an, I'm an assessor for the RICS assessment of professional competence now. So. Um, yeah, most monitoring surveyors have that background as well, so they mm. they usually will verify your work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I can see a question here all around kind of fees and products and things like that, but we'd we'd probably urge everybody to make contact with Jake um, and just just understand more about because I, I guess you would really know to, want to know what the uh, what the scope of work would be in the first instance, and then that way you can. You can align your fees accordingly, but um, yeah, just just give uh, Jake a call if you've got any questions around uh, around fees. Just looking if there's anything else. There's another one on charges. Uh, we spoke about the role of the monitoring surveyor, and that's very much the other side of the fence, isn't it? So if you've if you've got a, a funder or a bank, uh, generally the bank. You know, seeks um, the support of a, a QS professional. Actually, they they term them as the monitoring surveyor, um, and that party will represent the bank in monthly applications. and And Jake and his team would be there on your side to kind of meet them on the side, have a walk around, discuss contractors' percentages claimed, agree it all amongst the parties, and then move on to the next month. And then that that application would go up to the bank. Uh, with the blessing of the monitoring surveyor, and then the the funds would flow from the bank to the um, to the developer. So that's that's that. Um, Interesting question here from Rashmi. Um, hi, Rashmi. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are the cost consequences you see post COVID? So, do you see labour material prices rising? Um, well, you know, availability of, of of contractors out there. Just just some thoughts and observations that you're seeing out there in the market. Yeah, it's um, materials costs have been affected. Um, obviously, there's been delays on certain projects if they're coming from a factory which has been heavily hit by a COVID outbreak. Um, and obviously, that impacts on supply and the effects of supply and demand increases costs sometimes. So um, there are there are these uh, these implications on construction projects which need considering now. And that's the same with Brexit as well, changes in currency fluctuations. If you're ordering, you know, large facade packages, which might be coming from abroad or Europe, they are subject to currency fluctuations. So it's all these these things that need to be considered. And COVID is a big part of that as well. Absolutely. And how does that how does that lock in in terms of currency fluctuation? Does that is that at the point of order or is it the point of delivery? How, how does that work? Well, when you're entering into a construction contract, it, it, usually it's a lump sum anyway. So the yeah. contractor takes yeah. the risk of any any fluctuations in price. Yeah. Um, there is an option in JCT to um, you know reimburse the contractor for fluctuations, um, mm. but it just depends on the, the the agreement between the two parties. Yeah. 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 Oliver, Oliver asks a, a, another great question here. What are the biggest cost risks that typically we should pay attention to as a developer? 
Mm. Again, it depends on the type of construction project. Um, if it's a new build, often the main risk is in the ground contamination, obstructions, depends on the foundation details. You know, if you're piling, there may be um, there may be obstructions which you need to consider. Um, so these are these are typically quite big risks. Um, and then also it sort of depends on the contractual relationship, who's taking what risk when you're on site between the employer and the and the contractor. And they that'll depend on the negotiations and agreement you have in place with the contractor. But typically, you know, foundation in terms of construction, foundations um is quite is is risky getting out of the ground. And then again, it comes down to relationships, getting the right people on site, the right supply chain. Because a developer's nightmare, a contractor goes bust or can't deliver the project on site. Mm. But there's lots of risks in development which which need considering. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you a few minutes left, but um, yeah, I mean, in terms of that, I mean, program can have quite a big bearing on cost, can't it? Overrun. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just understanding if. I mean, we, we, we kind of silently use the word liquidating must obtain damages, LEDs. Uh, this is if, you know, the contract uh, is kind of in breach and, you know, it's not being, um, it's not being conformed to, let's say, uh, these do come in. But in terms of understanding those numbers, you know, you, you need to look at what your impact is. You know, if, you're, if you've got a funding facility or those sorts of things, you just understand and work with your QS to kind of build up that number so that if, if it does go over by a week, or a month, or whatever it is, you know, you, at least you've got some coverage there, you know, yeah. under the contract, which is important. Yeah, and, and and risk management strategies at the start of the project is is also a key point to yeah. consider. It's it's identifying the risk and understanding how you can mitigate those risks or transfer those risks or share share risk between parties. Absolutely, so that's that's a service we offer and quantity surveyors offer. Yeah, no, that, that's fantastic. Jay, quite, thank you. That's really good. Quite, yeah, quite often on, on commercial residential conversions, we'll, we'll split the demolition or the strip out package out initially. And we refer to it as the building reveals itself. You know, uh, once it's stripped out, it's bare, you can see the cracks, the fissures, the concrete repair work that needs to be done. And then we let the, the main contract and, you know, it's, it's having a great quantity surveyor there, working with the design team, working with the tenderers as well, you know, fielding those questions. So, so it's just been an absolutely fascinating insight into you know, the mind and approach of a QS and just how absolutely invaluable they are. Absolutely. To have a professional team, isn't it, Nigel? Uh, absolutely fundamental. And, you know, when we, when we think about, you know, investments, developments, we're talking about financial certainty and outcome, aren't we? In everything we talk about, it's all about anticipate, simulate, and you know your your QS as part of your professional team. Yeah, the architects will design your walls and your roof structure, and you know you sh- they'll do all that sort of stuff. That's a given. But at the end of the day, we've got to get out of these deals, and we've got to have that financial security, and you know to to be able to anticipate every step of the way the outcome. That's literally, you know, I, I know a function of a, the QS there is almost you're anticipating the final account of the builder every month. You know, you're anticipating it all the way through. 
but constantly looking at value engineering options, keeping if something goes slightly over budget, to find another way of bringing it back down again. It's fundamental. It's, it's the absolute core of what we do is financial certainty and outcome in our developments. And, you know, thank goodness, you know, uh, Jake and, and others are there to to protect our interest going forward in, in every development that we do. So so thank you. Thank you, Jake, for that insight. Thank you very much for having us. That was really, really good. And, you know, it's a it's quite a dark, deep and dark subject, isn't it? But it's given the audience an opportunity to ask some really, really great questions. Um, and, uh, you know, we've had some great answers. So thank you very much. And I think we're uh, fashionably on time yet again, Mark. This is, this is getting to become a habit, isn't it? Yes, well, with Jake here, we had to be on programme, didn't we? Um, Absolutely. <laughs> Jake, thank you so much. And, and for anybody who wants to get hold of Joe, Jake at your QS company, details in the chat box or, or go to his website. So, Jake, thank you. Absolute pleasure. Nigel, as always, rounding up another great episode of your property portfolio. So we'll see everybody next Wednesday morning for another live episode. Take care, everybody. Thank Thanks, you very guys. much. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Property Portfolio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode and that it inspired you on the next leg of your journey. If you've got any questions or comments, why not reach out to us at our Facebook page, Equa Academy. Also, don't forget to register for free access to hundreds of property development videos and templates over at equacademy.co.uk and we'll see you in next week's episode. Thank you.